Okay, good morning. Um, today's daf is Chofchetz. We're going to go from the Mishnah towards the top of Chofchetz. I'm Aleph 28a. And today's Shiz, Ilunishmas, Avram Peretz, and Dov, Yitzchak Ben Moshe, and Eliyahu Ben Yeshayahu. May the Neshamas have an Aliyah, and may the memory be a blessing. Um, okay, so the new Mishnah says, now we're getting into uh, chazokas and assumptions. It says, I may be get for hinichu zokein or choile. Someone was delivering the get, but they left the husband when he was sick or elderly, or elderly or sick. Noisein lo bechezka shehukhaim, he can still give it to her on the assumption that the person, shehukhaim, that the person is still alive. Let's see again, just before we get into further, what difference does it make if her husband's either dead or divorced? So there are multiple ramifications amongst them. Can she marry a Kohen? If the get was the way she was divorced, then she can't marry a Kohen. Does she fall to Yibul, etc.? So, but he gives the get assuming that the person he left is alive. If you have a Bas Yisrael who was married to a Kohen, she's only allowed to eat Truma because she's married. And her husband went overseas. She can eat truma on the assumption that he is still alive. Another, a third. If someone sends their chattas, they deliver the, they, they send the chattas or someone to offer them on their behalf, they can offer the assumption that the person is still alive. Again, we know if a person does certain avarice, they have to bring a common chattas. This person will discuss how he cannot, but he decide, he's not going to the base. I mean, that's they ask his friend to deliver the chattas for him. When his friends get there, now he's got to think, wait, what happens if the person's died? A common chattas of someone who's died may not be offered. But here, since he left the person alive, he can assume he is still alive. Rashi explains, um, just the first Rashi on the Mishnah, which explains the background to this Chazaka. He says, We don't have to be be concerned that the person has died. And obviously then the Shlichos is cancelled. We learn this out in that it's a Torah principle in um, the first paragraph of Chulid, that you leave something in its status quo. You assume it hasn't changed. That's the assumption here. The person was alive when he left, you can assume he's still alive. On that, Omar Rava, Rava says, um, this is all speaking about an elderly person who is not yet 80. And he's sick with an illness that most people recover from or live for a long time with. If you have a person who's over 80. The Or you have someone who's a Goisai, um, deathly ill. And most people die when they reach, when they're in that status of Goisais. Law, you cannot assume that they are still alive. So Robin made a qualification. You've got to start using a little bit of, uh, um, I would say, common sense, but uh, maybe statistical information. What, so, the, so you left the person and he had flu. Okay, most people survive from flu, that's fine. You left the person with a 
deathly illness, that's different. You left the person when he's uh, 50, yeah, you can assume he's still alive when you got to the base of meat. Actually, leave them when they're 80, you can't assume such a thing anymore. <coughs> and why do we call an 8-year-old uh, Gvura? So it's based on the Pasuk in Tehillim, which says that a person's days are 70, and if he's, if he, if he's strong, he lives to 80. So that's where we get, Gvura shot him to 80. It says, it says, Aisivay. No, Goisei says more than someone who just has a deathly or a, what's it, a fatal illness. It's not the right term. Is. Um, but Goisei, terminal illness. But a Goisei says someone who's literally on their last breath. So I'm getting most Goisei don't recover. It says, Aisivay, Abai, Abai, I challenge this. He says, I maybe get the Hinichu Zakeid. Afilu ben Meyashana. So the price says, if you're delivering a get and you leave the husband when he's 80, uh, 100, oh, sorry, very old, even 100, you can give it to her, on, you can deliver it on the assumption that the person's alive. You see, Robert came along and said, no, this is only up to 80. Anything over 80, you can't assume the person's still alive. And a buyer brings a price, so that says, even if the person's 100. You can deliver it. So to Yufta, okay, either you have to learn that that's rejecting Rava. Rava, you can always assume a person's alive. That's one answer. The E by saying, alternatively, you can say, Kiva in the Iflik, Iflik. Once he has uh, separated himself, I distinguished himself in his old age, he is, we no longer apply the normal rules. So just Rashi, because he makes it the easiest, he explains as follows. Once this person has clearly separated, Pollock separated himself from most people by living to such an old age, you can't assume, oh, like most 80-year-olds, he's going to be Niflar. Now, you can't, once he's gone past a certain age, you can't assume that anymore. And Rashi, interesting, says, up to 100. It's quite an old age to be Sorry, sorry, 90. Yeah. He's saying that once, if you're delivering a get of an 80-year-old, then you can't um, assume they're alive. 88-year-old, same thing. But once they reach 90 or now they're very old, they're very old and they're in their own category. We don't apply the assumption that they're going to die anymore. Yeah. Rebbe, um, there are others who learn, was it Tosmas? No, no. I'm saying, but that's Rashi. So Rashi says, basically, this halacha that you assume, that you can't assume the person's alive anymore is literally between 80 and 90. Otherwise, younger than that, you can assume that they are still alive. You don't have to be concerned that they die. And older than that, um, older than natural longevity. Natural longevity. He's like he's not following the normal laws of nature, so you can't apply the normal concerns to him. Ramilei, another contradiction between now yeah, we're not dealing with the, the explanation of the, with, with Robert's explanation of the mission. We're now going to just challenge the principles set forth in the Mishnah. So Ramilei, Abayla Rabbah, Abayla raised a contradiction before Rabbah. Tanan we learned in our Mishnah, Hamevi get vehinichu zokein ochoyle, noise elobachesk ashuhu chaim. 
Our Mishnah said that if you on your way to deliver a get and you left the person as an elderly as an elderly man or as a sick person, you can still giving give the get, assuming on the chazaka that they are still alive. We remain, but there's a contradiction. There's harayze giteich, harayze giteich shaachas koydem v'misoso asur lechol b'tshuma miyad. If a man says to a woman, this is your get, and it takes effect one hour before I die, she can no longer eat truma. Are we saying, let's say she's a woman who's married to a kohen, if her husband would have deceased, she wouldn't be allowed, would be deceased, she wouldn't be allowed to eat truma anymore. So we're saying she's no longer allowed to eat truma. But what do we see? You do have to be concerned that someone will die. Again, in our Mishnah, we said, we go after the Chazot, oh, they're alive, we can assume they've stayed alive, you don't have to be concerned that they have died. Comes along this other teaching, and says that, if he says, this is your get for one hour before I die, you don't have to, she's no longer allowed to eat trauma, sounds like, you do have that concern. That's quite a strong condition, because you're saying that you know, she's allowed to eat man, etc., etc. No, you're not, she's still married, She's uh, just not allowed to eat trauma anymore. Uh, the phrase used is, you have to be concerned. Not that we treat him as if he's dead. No, that's long. We treat him like that. And also the halachic ramifications, we don't treat him like that. We're you have to be concerned that he will die. He never dies. So we're not going to get around that. Again, our, so our mission was, you don't have to be concerned that the person had died. You left this man 70, you went on the way to deliver a get. You don't have to be concerned when you come to deliver the get that the person had died in the interim. When I started working, I was working, learning from a guy. And he said to me, I'll teach you everything I know six months before I die. <laughs> so there's the famous mission, the famous, there's the mission in Havos, which says, you must always do tshuva. So you have, make sure to do tshuva before you die. Yeah, but you always have to do tshuva because you know. So that's so, so that's the question. Not do we treat him as as if he's deceased. The question is, do we have to be concerned that he will? And we see that in that mission you do. So oh my lay truma, agitim koromos. You're raising a contradiction between truma and gitim. Truma esha. There's another possibility with truma. Get no esha, but there's no other possibility. I. But truma, there's the alternative. What's the alternative? Eat anything else. So don't go to the Kohen bakery, go to the regular bakery. But by a get, if you're going to invalidate the shlichus, you're going to say you can never rely on a shliach, or you've made, you're going to end up with a, causing a lot of women to live as agunos. I think on the, on the broader picture, if you can never ever have a get delivered, you know, sometimes the husband and wife can't be in the same room. Sometimes, I mean, uh, the husband's over, the wife's overseas, and the husband can't get there. You know, so you got to deliver it. You're going to tell me you can never rely on shlichus because the person might die. That's not. A, you can't treat that as a viable solution. I was wondering, maybe, what happens if it's only when there's a reason to say? I mean, it's always hard to say, but is there, if there's a reason to say he might die, and then the concern is just when you delivered the get. Can she um, remarry? So the question is, can she marry a coin or not? Or does she have to do chalitza? 
So, I mean, firstly, she's stuck having to do chalitza. She could be an aguna. And you can also sometimes, we see Chazal are even, sometimes they're reluctant to even limit who a woman can marry. So here she received, well, again, here the get is what makes her limited. So maybe the chalitza, I wonder if this statue would have to do chalitza, would make her be considered a... Because, um, sorry, make her be considered a guna, a woman who's stuck because there's a, well now she's a chalutza, or she has to wait, she's a levoma, she has to wait. I'm not sure about that, but at least on the surface the simple answer is you, you're you going to have to cancel all shlichos, because how do you know, the second that you've left the room, maybe the person has passed out, passed away, and then how can you ever deliver again? But in most cases, death and get and get is almost the same. Because it says in the beginning of condition, there's three ways to marry a woman. Um, yeah, in many halachas there are, but they have major ramifications, whether it's a get or kiddushin. One of them is whether it's a get or a misa. The two most ob- obvious ones is can she marry a kohen? No. Both she'll collect a tzuba. Both she'll collect a tzuba. Um, unless the divorce is because of person. Um, both she'll collect a tzuba, so that's not. But um, two obvious straightforward one is does she fall if her husband died without children if they were divorced she doesn't fall in Yibum if they were not divorced she does fall in Yibum or another if, if her husband died and he was a Kohen and she was not um, oh that's, that, um, that makes no difference Sorry, either way she could so it's only Yibum so only Yibum would be the remedy can a Grusha go back to her father's house and eat Truma? If her father's a Kohen and her husband dies, she can definitely go eat Truma. Can a Grusha go and eat Truma? I'm not sure. I don't remember. We had it We had it not too long ago, but I don't remember. But not too long ago, I mean, one of the last few Masechtas. <laughs> we definitely did discuss it, but I don't remember. Okay, so, so that would be a big ramification. Um, Yes, yeah, so, so on the surface it seems that maybe the only difference is on, on uh, Yibum and Chalitza, there might be other more subtle ramifications, but that would be the main one. But Rami, Truma, Truma. Oh, but even with Truma, I can teach you a contradiction. It says, Tanan, we learned in a Mishnah, Bas Yisrael, Again, this is our Mishnah. It says that Bas Yisrael that is married to a Nasua, so he is married to a Kohen, and her husband goes overseas. She can continue to eat truma on the assumption that he is still alive. And there's a, there's this part of the mission is contradicted. This is your get a moment before you die. She's not allowed. Immediately she is forbidden to eat truma. So our Mishnah said you can, what's it, Hemid Bala you can assume the husband's alive. But here, we don't um, place her on that Chazaka because we forbid her while her husband's still alive that maybe, that maybe he will die. And therefore, we don't allow her to eat it, to eat Shubay anymore. So which one is it? Are we chayshir and misa or are you not chayshir and misa? So 
says, no, it's different over there because we've forbidden her a moment before the Misa or an hour before the Misa. What's the difference? Is in the case where well, the question is, has your husband died? Hashimah, you don't have to be concerned for that scenario. But here she will be forbidden to eat truma while her husband is alive. Because remember, when does the get kick in? An hour before they die, before the husband dies. She will be forbidden to eat truma when her husband dies. So, sorry, while, while her husband's alive. So, you can't apply the normal laws of Chazaka. And you have to say that um, each moment there's a question, can I be eating this truma or not? So a subtle distinction, but it actually made um, um, makes this major ramifications. Again, are you if the husband only the statues, let's say not allowed to eat truma anymore, you have to say her husband in a normal scenario is only once her husband died. He has a chazaka that he's alive. Whereas in the other case, she's not even allowed to eat truma for that time, before, for a certain amount of time before he dies. So are we saying, while he's alive and while she's alive, she's not allowed to eat truma? Well then, every, time, every moment that she's alive, she has that question of, can she eat the truma? And therefore, we say she can't. Says Omar um, yeah. So that's the distinction. Says Matki Flora Papa. Says no, that's not true. You're not. Te- it's not true that every moment that she's eating truma, there's the question: Is that the moment she's not allowed to eat truma? Again, while she's allowed, she's, we have the, says because maybe she will die first. I said, there is the possibility that she will be able to eat truma her whole life. So, El Omar Abayr al Abayr says, Lo kashya horib yimeh de loy chayr shlemisa, horib yudeh de chayr shlemisa. No, it's actually a machlokes tenayim. Machlokes Rebbe Meir says, we are not concerned, we don't say chayr shlemisa, and Rebbe Yudeh says, we do chayr shlemisa. What? So again, so our Mishnah would be Rebbe Meir. But I am according to Rebbe Yudeh, if her husband's gone overseas and you, she can't, I don't know if there has to be some grounds or she can't verify that he's alive. She can no longer eat truma. And this b'risa which says that a woman who husband says this is your get from a moment before I die or from an hour before I die is no longer allowed to eat truma. That would be Rabbi Huda but not Rebbe Meir. The same thing that according to how can that verify that he's dead if he's gone overseas? So we assume that he's dead. We well, assume? what's the question? Do we have do we have to be not assume? There's a chazaka that he's alive, but do we have to be choshish and do we have to take into account that he's died? And according to Rabbi Yehuda, yes, and according to uh, Rabbi Meir, you don't. Um, now, where do we see this machlokes? So interesting. What we're going to compare now is the breaking of a flask. This is Shabbos's dap. Says the plan. This this mission says alokeh yad bebeinah kutim. So you bought one from the kutim, and now. For whatever reason, you can't separate the trumois and maestros. Maybe it's Shabbos or something like that. So Aimer, the person can say, or if the person says, Shnei lugin shani otid lahafrish, then the first two lugin that I separate, harei hen truma. Sorry, that I will separate in the future, 
הרי הם טרומה, והיו טרומה. עשורה מעשה ראשון. נקסט טן וויד בי מעשה ראשון. תשעה מעשר שייני, the next nine will be מעשר שייני. ומייכל ושויסה מיד. And it takes effect and he can drink immediately. דברי רבי מאיר, that's רבי מאיר's opinion. רבי יהודה ורבי יויסי ורבי שמעון אוישרין. רבי יהודה, רבי יויסי ורבי שמעון forbidden. Um, what's the okay yeah so just remember you always have to separate from your brain we say the standard amount of truma separated is two percent so let's obviously point out that we're not being <coughs> because how much massa do you then have to eat separate 10 percent or what's left so it's really 9.8 of the original but then when it says t- uh, 10 and then you separate massa shiny or if it's the other year massa only but again you're all doing that saying what's left in the bottom of the barrel the two what I will take and Two will be etc etc and Rabbi Ma says it's fine and Rabbi Oisi, Rabbi Shimon says it's forbidden and why did they say it's forbidden because we're concerned that the flask the, the bottle of wine will break yeah we had it on chapelhanod um, in case the flask breaks so Rabbi Maya is not concerned with that and Rabbiuda is concerned he's saying the same thing Rabbi Ma is not concentration in the misa And Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yosha and Rabbi Shimon are all chayshin in the Misa. Can I ask a question? Is it uh, for this or can we go on? Because he said in this case and in the previous case and like the signing we get with the, the taking to Rabbi Mea seems to always have a slightly less stricter opinion. Is that general or is that just... Look, I don't, I don't know. I can't think offhand and compare the different Mahlokes from Rabbi Mea and the others. But I know that, firstly, Eide Hazim or Eide Masira, they each have their stringencies and each have their leniencies. So I wouldn't say that that's that's a different. Here, we have another (laughs) opinion of Rabbi Meir, Chayshin and the Miyuta. Generally, we say you can follow majority. Rabbi Meir says, no, you have to take the minority into account. I don't think that's a true principle. Um, So Rava Omar Rava says, Shem Amaz Lo Chayshin, Robert makes a different distinction. He says you can't, you don't have to necessarily compare the, um, um, you know, or, or there's another way of explaining the Machloke, so you don't even have to come onto a Machloke. It says, Shema Meisloi Chayshinan, Shema Yomos Chayshinan. Where we concerned, did a person die? You don't have that concern. Shema Yomos, but in case the person died, will die, Chayshin, and we do have that concept. Um, <coughs> what's Rav's distinction? Again, quite subtle. But he's saying, we have a Chazokah that a person is allowed. And therefore, you can rely on that Chazokah that they are allowed. Regarding will a person die or not, well, we can't have such a Chazokah that they won't die. Because everyone, except maybe one or two people, have died. So, uh, Shema, so, so, so what's this? So he's making the distinction again, and we'd say that. So our Mishnah, again, it fits with everyone. Our Mishnah is, did the person die? So you have a Chazokah that he was still alive when you left him, you can, or when he left to go overseas, you can assume he's still alive. The Mishnah by the get is, Shema, perhaps, Yomuz, the person will die. Well, Chayshin, and you do have to take that into account that the person might die in the future. So you have to look which Chazokah, from what angle are you looking at it. Um, 
Now, yeah, before we go further, there's a fascinating, this, this is brought up in a more practical halacha by the Nod of Yehuda, it's quite a novel series. And what's quite interesting, firstly, early on in the tshuva, so he's, they were asked a question, and uh, not to go into the question, but a woman had an injury, and wants to know if she's a nidah, etc., things like that, um, and certain halacha, um, halachic ramification. Um, but the interesting, just interesting in regards to the laws of suck, it's not really to what we do, but very interesting. It says, I see that the, your, your greatness has been discussing the analyzing, you know, building up and then destroying, etc. The words of the Baal Shev Yaakov. But for him, Aruchim, and he went on very elaborate about it. Says, I don't, in principle, I don't look at the recent tshuvas, the response of the recent Gedolim. And not even a generation or two before us. Says, it's sufficient for us to delve into the Talmud and the earlier Poiskim and those who were close to them. So, I mean, what he's saying, up until Shulchan Shulchan Hashem, the Hashem, you don't have to worry too much about the Tshuvas. There's no reason to lean more to the way they weighed up the, situ- the scenario to the way we weighed up the scenario. Therefore, I'm not going to uh, swat off my tongue getting caught up into their elaboration and your elaboration on their elaboration. I'm not. What's interesting about that is, I think, ideally, that is the Derech Hapsak. You look at the major poskim and the earlier poskim. Again, the Nod of Yehuda was, I think, 1700s, maybe 1800s. Um, very, very great scholar, so he can say, I can look in the Gemara and understand it and work out the aloha from the major poskim up until about Shulchan Aruch, that's what he's saying. Um, and if you notice, interesting, you know, even less, probably about two. Um, yeah, so I don't remember the exact dates, but it wasn't as long as three hundred. Maybe it was, but I don't think so. Um, the uh, so, so he's saying that Derech Hapsak is to look into the Gemara, be ma'ayin in it, and weigh up, and based on the Rishonim and the, the early Poskim and the Shulchan Aruch, etc., weigh up the correct halacha. And obviously, you have to have done due diligence. You can't just say, well, I learned a sugi in Dafyomi in uh, Gitin, and this is how I think Allah is. You have to be mine and check that you understand it properly. Yeah, Rashi, Tosos, uh, Rambam, etc. But assuming you did that, what he's saying, there's a very common approach nowadays. It's for Psak, you basically have to take every single opinion subsequent, up from before you into consideration. And he's saying, that's not true. You're Weighing up, uh, or let's not say your apoisex, not even mine, apoisex's uh, intellect and how he weighs up the sugi after being ma'ayin in it, the halacha, is as equal to theirs. Um, we see that with Ramosha Farnstein. He delved into 
you know, most of his Shasser and Shadim, he does bring a few Akronim, other Mishnah Bura now and then, or Hashulcha now and then, not a Yehuda now and then, but by and large his Psakim are rooted in the words of the the uh, Talmud and the major Rishonim and maybe very early Akronim. But that's uh, um, that look, I think also many of us and many poskim nowadays feel their hands are tied. You know, how can I paskin without looking at the Nod of Yehuda? How can I paskin without seeing what, uh, I'm trying to think who was, uh, uh, Rav Vaidya Yosef, Rav Yoshev, uh, you know, how can I paskin without seeing what they've said on the matter? So, I mean, there is that aspect of, are you great enough to weigh it up and call it without them? But that is definitely that. The Nod Yehuda was very, very strong in that. There's elsewhere where he says, you're asking me questions on things that are not based on the Talmud. How am I going to be able to answer that? There's no way to evaluate and weigh up how it should be. Okay, carrying on. So that's the Shem and Oh, so why am I bringing this Shufa when he gives us that important principle in Sak, or at least in his approach to Sak? Is he brings a, a more practical. There's a machlokes. This that we can say that a woman has a vest, a set cycle. And we treat the vest cycle almost as if she's a definite nida at that time. Is that nida or raisa? Or is that midrap on it? And he comes up with a novel chidush, and he says almost depends on what aspect of the verse that you're looking at. And uh, and the one is Doraisa, and the one is only a verse in Nidra Bodin. From the aspect, are you asking, did she become a Nidra? I has she has a Cheskas Tahara, we know she's Tahar. Did it change? Did she become a Nidra? says, no. You assume the Chazok is that she's Tahar. And that's Al-Gomorrah. Shem Perhaps the Chazok had changed from the person being alive to the person being dead. You don't have to consider that. And so, yeah, perhaps a woman changed from being Tahar to being a Nidra. Again, looking backwards, you don't have to say she changed. But what about, will she become a Nidra? He says, well, that's Torah, so you have to be Chashina. And take it out there. Yeah, a woman will definitely become a Nidra. Um, okay, except in unique scenarios, but that is the so that's uh, interesting how he ties that halacha to explain our halacha. And he wants to say the one's door. I want to granted we see it's a clear machlokes whether vistas are doraisa in how you treat them, what you treat them as drabonim. I want to make a, a wondrous uh, innovation in it that it depends what aspect you're looking at it, whether they doraisa or drabonim. Um, okay, carry on. Omalei Rav Adabar Master Lerova. Rabbi Adabah Masna said to Rabbi, But wait, the flask, the, 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 true, the wine that you want to separate in, the concern is, will it break? It's not, did it break? It's, will it break? And you just told me that everyone agrees. And we see that Rabbi May argues with the other sages in that case. So, Rabbi Yehuda, Mida Askarta, shiny note, the Eshet, the Mosa, later Shemer. He says, No, Rabbi Yehuda, Mida Karta says, No, you can be more careful with the flask. And that's why in that case, um, you, Rebbe Meir holds, you don't have to worry why. You say, okay, look, you tell someone, that bottle of wine is very important, it's true, etc. Don't make sure it doesn't break. Make sure the people around don't knock it over. So you can add it. How are you going to say that, uh, look after this guy, make sure he doesn't die? That's up to the Malachamova, it's not him. So you go on this. So Well, your guarantor needs a guarantor. Right, this person you're asking to make sure that the wine doesn't break, 
who's also going to need someone to make sure that he doesn't accidentally drop it. So he's carrying it around looking after it. Who's going to make sure? So it's the same thing. There are certain things you cannot guarantee, or your level of guarantee is limited. So, why, so again, why would you make a distinction? So it's, Perhaps, Robert explained that. This, that the concern, did the person die? You don't have to be concerned. You can rely on the chazaka. Shema yomus. Do you have to be concerned that a person will die? Tanahi, that's a machlokes tanahim. Rabbi Meir says you don't have to have such a concern. And the other tanahim, as we saw, do have such a concern. Okay, then the last case of the mission was hashleh chatosim medina sayam. Someone who sends their chatos from medina sayam. So he says, Vahu um Omar Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef says, the Korban Noshim. Um says, Oh, Bahaba in and Smicha, say that. Pardon? In the two dots it says, Hashalah Khatasum in Vidina Sayam. If someone's sending their Korban Khatas to be offered in the Baisamidash, when it gets to the Baisamidash, the person can offer it, he does not have to be worried. That the person is um, is no longer alive and you can't offer the khatas. Says it's Avahoba in a smicha, but you have to do smicha what smicha. When you offer a korban, you have to lean on the animal. And you, the person himself has to do it. He can't do it through a shaliach. So how can he send uh, send someone? So Omar Rabbi said the korban noshim. No, we're speaking about a woman's korban. So this is a long discussion on this, but yeah, there's no need for smicha. He says, Papa says, no, we're dealing with the chattas of This halacha of smicha is only on animals. If you're dealing with chattas of it can be anyone's common chattas of says, oh, but tricha. And we need all three. Oh, before we go further, Tosas ask an interesting question. They say, but wait. Chattas of can be offered out of sofek, so it's, no, it's not a good proof. If you're not sure whether the chattas ha'oif needs to be offered, you can still offer it. So, it, now, so what's the question here? Is if a person is, a, the question is, is the owner still alive? And we said, you don't have to be worried that he's deceased because you can offer it. Now, when we were discussing an animal, it's a good, a good proof of the principle of chazaka because the owner has to be alive and you can't offer it out of sofek and therefore... You rely on the chazaka that he's still alive. But if you're saying it's a chattas ha'oif, you can just offer it out of sofek anyway. It makes no difference whether you're not sure, so offer it out. Sofek. So Tosa said a very interesting point, and to be honest, I don't know if it makes sense. Right. A person himself can offer the korban. Oh, sorry, let, let's go a bit further. So it's betricha. We need all three cases to teach us the halacha of chazaka. I remember we have get, we have truma, and we have a kabbal chattas. All being often on the assumption that the person that delivered it is still alive. So diash meaning get mishum de la Maybe if we only had the case of get, you'd say because there's no other possibility how she, she's going to be left in aguna. Aval truma de efshar. But truma where there is an, another possibility, she can't rely on the chazaka. Because they don't eat other food. We ask me in truma, Maybe by truma you can go lenient because sometimes there's no other option. Sometimes there isn't other food ready to live at. She's very poor and we know truma is much cheaper. So sometimes there aren't other options um, in, uh, in her situation. So, out of doubt you shouldn't bring chulin lazara. 
Because again, if you're not, if the person is not supposed to bring the carbon chattas, then we're treating it as chulin. Shricha, therefore, you need it. One question on this is, it's not chulin lazar. It's an animal that was designated as a korban. The question is, can you offer that korban because the owner is no longer alive? So that's one question. Not sure the answer. Can you? That's why we're calling it chulin lazar. One second, and then the toisus I was telling you about earlier that a chattas haof is offered anyway out of sofek. So he wants to say a big chidush. He says that a person himself can bring a korban out of a out of a sofek to exempt himself. But here, you can't ask a shuliach to bring a korban for you out of doubt. It's not in for me myself to bring this korban chattas out of doubt is almost a worthwhile. They say a worthwhile sacrifice. Maybe it shouldn't be offered. Maybe it should be offered. It's worthwhile sacrifice. But for the shuliach, he's like, what I should maybe do an abeira to help hit someone else who also who might need this. That's not a worthwhile sacrifice. What's difficult to me about Tosos answer, I didn't get a chance to think about it or look into it too much. But every korban is offered by the Kohen. So isn't he always the Shriach? And therefore, if we're going to take Tosos' rule to the extreme, then basically only a Kohen who has a doubt of a thing can do it. But we said by women's korbanos, etc. So maybe just maybe there is a big... Unless it's the only answer... Not the only one, the, the one that jumped into my mind um, when I was thinking about this is the, the concern here is bringing a non sacred item into the temple courtyard. Once you've brought it there, then you've got past that problem. Um, so, there, who's bringing it into the temple courtyard? And that's the shaliach, or is it yourself? So, you yourself can. The shaliach is not a worthwhile sacrifice, and I should do this doubt to help someone else save their issue. Um, we have a principle, I mean it's a big discussion, when can you do a smaller barrier to save your friend from a bigger barrier? Or can you do an Isidora bonnet to save your friend from an Isidora? So that's a discussion elsewhere, but that's what it seems to be based on. No, no, the owner. If I remember correctly, it has to be done by the temple. Um, either I think maybe even in the courtyard. <coughs> I have to wait till we get to courtyard. I, I don't and then remember I just clearly. I asked a question in the, in the previous Gemara that uh, if the person is uh, if the person inherits a if the person passes away and the children have stood up the chattis, can they offer him on the father's behalf? And the answer was no. Yeah. So you definitely can't offer a thing if somebody's left a problem on their behalf. But here it's a sophic. So if it's a regular chattis, there's good as how we've come out, there's good grounds to say, yeah, and don't offer it. But if it's a bird, then you definitely can. But someone who extend the principle and take out that word off, um, they say any chattis, you can rely on the chazoka. Then it's possibly allowed. Yeah. Uh, the Mesoy references it as to a tosis in Nida that takes it out. Okay. Matnisi, next Mishnah. There were three things that Rebbe Lozov and Patah said before the sages, and they verified, they were happy with what he said. If you left someone in a... We continue with the discussion of assuming some, when do you assume someone has 
passed away or not. So if you have a city that has been surrounded by an army, uh, there's a sea, or a boat that was, uh, what's it, being uh, torn apart in the sea, uh, bashed around by the waves. Or someone who's being tried for a capital case. You can still assume they're alive. If the city had already been had been conquered by the, the army, or the boat has gone missing in lost at sea, or someone who has been sentenced to death and they're now being taken out to be executed. You give them the stringencies that the person, you give the woman the stringency that the person might still be alive or might be have been uh, died. And therefore, an example, Bas Yisrael the Kohen, or Bas Kohen Yisrael, Lo tells all Truma. Whether it's a Bas Yisrael married to a Kohen, she can't eat Truma, because maybe her husband has died. Or if it's a Bas Kohen who's married to Yisrael, maybe her husband's still alive. A Bas Kohen married to Yisrael can no longer eat Truma. If her husband's died, she can go back to her father's house and eat Truma. So in both cases, we go strict and she's not allowed to eat Truma. Says this that we said you have a doubt whether to view the let me just check I'm going on the right case. Yeah. We said if a person's being taken out to be executed, you put on the stringencies. Um sorry, one second. Yeah. If a person is being taken out to be executed, if it's a Jewish his execution, the Jewish, the Sanhedrin is putting, uh, Basin is putting him to death, then you have this concern, maybe he's alive, maybe he's dead. But if it's a non-Jewish execution, once they've decided to execute someone, Kim in the Gomiloy, Dina Lakal and Mikdal Tanilay definitely going to kill him. So you can treat him as definitely dead. If you saw him being, he's been sentenced to death and he's been carried to the gallows by the non-Jews, you can assume he's been put to death. Oh, why is a Jewish court more likely? Because there's a din, we know, it's actually learned out in the Gemara Sanhedrin, that you've got to try and save the person and therefore they have someone standing by the court and all that can communicate with the people taking this person to be executed so that if any new information comes up, they can quickly tell them to stop and they'll reopen the case. So that's why a Jewish court, if, even if the person's been walked to the execution, <coughs> execution is blocked, you can't assume that he's died. But a non-Jewish court, once they've, dis- once they've taken the person out to execute them again, it says, It says, why? You can bribe them. We know that. You want to get someone off the death, even if they're being carried, you bribe them. It says, says no. He says this is where the judgment was issued by Porse Shinmag. Rashi says that's like the Psak Din has been signed um, by the sorry I wrote the wrong uh, um, yeah when the Psak Din has been issued they're not going to uh, revise it. They can't, like, you can't take a bribe on where there's the clear, what's a court order, something like that. And Tosa say, no, what is, uh, 
what it's, it's, it's the Porse Shenimag is the like the Supreme Court, one of the most important judges. So no one's going to accept the bribe to overturn the ruling, or he's also above the bribery. He's too high in the country. So the Supreme Court, not likely to uh, suffer state capture. Um, you know, you're not going to be able to bribe them. Says the boss of the Michasim Porsechin Magloishokli. Once it's been signed by this Porsechinam Shinimag, they're not going to take a bribe. They see they they challenged the game. Come on, come show them the shnayim. The yomri me idimanu es ishploini shenik martin on the base din shaploini. Any time that you have, if you have two witnesses that testify that so and so was sentenced to death in another base din, someone flees to Cape Town, and two witnesses there say, hey, we saw this guy sentenced to death in the Johannesburg base din. Says uploini uploini. Adav and so and so were the Adim. Says Harazi Yerak, the Cape Town based in can put him to death. They don't retry him or anything. They say, oh, you testify that he was already sentenced to death. We can retry try him. Now, how's that, Akasha? You just told me that if it's a Jewish based in, you have a sophic. Maybe they found a reason to acquit him. And now you're saying, no, we don't assume that there's a reason to acquit him. We just say, put him to death straight away. Assuming that the but earlier based in did not find a reason to acquit him. So make up your mind, which one is it? Do we assume that a Jewish court might find a reason to acquit him or not? So he says, no, Dilma Borel Shani. This guy fled, which is different. I, he obviously got ho- hopeless to the degree that there's no way that I'm going to be found innocent. There's no way this case is going to be reopened. And therefore, we can, the second based in can put him to death on the assumption that the first based in has not reopened the case. Toshma. Another cash on Rav Yosef, again Rav Yosef was the one who said that when someone's been taken out to be executed, if it's a Jewish court, then you have the sophic whether they're alive or not. But if it's a non-Jewish court, you can assume they're dead. It says, If you hear from a Jewish court saying that so-and-so died or so-and-so was killed, what do you mean, why do we need to hear from the court that he died? So Rashi teaches the difference is, well, we'll see it in the Gemara. Mace is where Bezdin decided he needed to be put to death, but not where the Torah says you sentence someone to death. So, for example, he's going to issue Kores multiple times. They've tried to lash him. They've tried to warn him. He still continues to behave like that. That Bezdin will find alternative ways to put him to death. So that's Mace. So if Bezdin says so-and-so has died, again, obviously through Bezdin, but through an alternative measure. And, and Neharag is where Bezdin carried out uh, Mrs. Bezdin. Yusu as Ishto, he can, his wife can remarry. Mekum Natrisin shall Ovekosavim. If you hear from the non Jewish executioners, Ishplaini Mace, Ishplaini Neharag, so and so has been caused to die through our hands, similar to the Jewish court where they put him to death in an unusual way, or he's been executed. al Yisus Ishto, he's not allowed to remarry his wife. Now, my mace, or my nerag, what do we mean when we say mace or nerag? Eli, my mace, mace, mamash, nerag, nerag, mamash. If you're going to tell me that literally it means he's been killed or, or executed, Literally, the Kvaisei Gabe Ovei Kochovim, and it's there for the corresponding cases by Ovei Kochovim, Amar Al Yisrael Ishto, why can't he remarry his wife? 
the principle. If a non-Jew tells you in his innocence, we can believe him. So look, again, if a non-Jew comes to testify in a Jewish court that this woman can remarry because her husband died or because her husband was executed, we can't believe it. But if he's just telling you news, <coughs> yeah, I've had to kill the I'm the execution and it was a hectic week. I had to send to, I had to execute eight people, whatever it is, and one of them was this uh, this woman. Then we can believe it because he's not telling it as testimony. So it doesn't make sense. So you told me that it's a case where the Jewish court, where whatever the case is, if the Jewish court says that you can put the person to death, and if the non-Jewish court says that you, sorry, you can assume he's dead, whereas if the non Jewish executioner says that you cannot assume that the person is dead, which again is opposite what we learned, where Rabbi Yosef says if it's the Jewish court you can't assume he's been executed, and the non-Jewish court you can't. Well, well, we'll come on to that. Um, so, Elalav makes Yoytzel almost nerag Yoytzel Harik. So, it must mean that it means someone taken out to be killed or someone taken out to be executed. The Talib, based in and it teaches, but based in Israel, he says, yes, if it's a Jewish court, he can remarry someone, his wife can remarry. So what do we see? Sorry, so this is where we bring in the contradiction of Rabbi Yosef. Rabbi Yosef says, if it's a Jewish court, you always have the suffix whether the person's alive or dead, if he's been taken to be executed. But in this price, so clearly, if he's been taken to be executed, you assume that he has killed you, let his wife remarry. So consciousness says, no, oila meis mamish, venerag mamish. No, actually that case is where the person actually, that the testimony or what the person's asserting is that he actually died or that he actually was set, executed by the Baal. But then you said, wait, but when my non-Jewish court, why can't you believe him? Uh, the execution tells you I had a hectic week, I killed eight pe- I executed eight people, why can't, and one of them was this woman. Why can't you believe him? He's made with a tumor. We believe someone may say a little bit. So he says, no, honey, mili, but milsa deloy shchichibay. Something that he does not connect to. But milsa de shaychibay. Sorry, de shaychibay, not shchichibay. Milsa de shaychibay, something that he does not connect to. But milsa de shaychibay, something that he does connect to. Avdi lazuke shakrayu. You can assume that he's lying. Rashi explains, what does it mean, something he's connected to? So he says, She'eno tiferes lohem, or something that is tiferes lohem. This, an executioner is proud of his job. He's proud to have put people to death. It's a, this based in this non-Jewish court is only too excited. The more people they can sentence to de- death, the more effective and better they are. That's their assumption. So they're obviously going to brag and say how many people they've put to death, even if they've only just been sentenced to death or been walking to their and being taken out to be put to death. But, in a, so therefore we assume he's lying. If it's something that the non-Jews not so proud about, or not something that he feels is a big praise, it's worth lying about, well then you can believe him. But that's okay. Either execution or say, I've killed a hundred people. You can't believe what a good execution I have. All of them being a hundred percent successful. Okay, so he's proud, he's bragging. That's why we can't believe him. But a Jew... Um, um, yeah, okay, so we'll leave it here for today. Yeah, sorry, what did you want to ask? There's record for the Jewish